0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at CrossoverNorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossoverNorman. Enjoy the message. Hey, love God? Come on now. We're back at Crossover. Let's just give it up. Come on. Um, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Brent. Ru- <laughs> Brent Russell. There it is. Words are hard today, amen. Uh, My name is Brent Russell. I would love for uh, everybody to get to know me because I'm awesome. All right, just kidding, just kidding. I really wanted to get to know everybody. Uh, A little bit about me is um, I have a beautiful family. If we can show that, oh, there they are. Come on now. Oh, man, they sure do make me look good, don't they? Um, I have three boys, they are three and under, yes, we got the oldest is uh, Revan, the middle is River, and he is a middle child, if you know what I'm talking about, and then uh, Bodie is 16 weeks old. Uh, Any babysitters in the room, please contact us, all right, I'll pay you with pizza and prayer, all right, Uh, that's just the minister way of doing things, but um, seriously, contact me, all right. All right. A little bit about Crossover, just real quick. Four years ago, God called my wife and I to do something radical with our lives, uh, and that was to start an on-campus ministry called Crossover with Nothing and Nobody. Um, And over the last four years, college kids proved that they still love Jesus. Amen? And man, kids just kept on showing up, and we've got to see hundreds and thousands give their life to Jesus and get plugged into local churches and then go beyond Crossover and go be the church uh, around the world. And so we are so excited about what God has done in Crossover and is doing through Crossover. Uh, And so we are just excited for y'all to be here. Um, Listen, we tried as, as hard as we possibly could to have Crossover on campus. I mean, we tried everything that we could, but there was just no way that they were going to allow this many students to meet up at once um, on campus. And we are very thankful that Victory Family Church, uh, one of our friend churches, opened up their doors uh, to us. And we are very thankful for that. But know this. Uh, Adam was said uh, Adam made sure that we knew this was temporary all right and uh, I said we want it to be de- temporary because we want to be back on that campus more than you could ever imagine uh, that's the vision of crossovers to be on that campus and the vision even greater than that is to fill Lloyd noble with college students praising Jesus amen uh, we want to see it uh, I think many of you might see it let's let's proclaim it right now all right we're going to fill Lloyd noble with thousands of, st- of college students praising Jesus. Let's switch some gears and maybe let's start preaching a little bit. Do you want to preach this a little bit? Anybody want to come up here and switch jobs with me? Alright. We can switch. I'll just leave my notes up here. Alright, that's fine. Um, But about... uh, you know, about 12 years ago is when I started my ministry. I started my call to ministry, and one of the things that I really noticed is that I love to meet up with people. I love to meet up with people one-on-one. That's where I get my jet fuel. Uh, I've drank more cups of coffee with people than you can imagine, all right? And I love to know everything about you. I want to know, like, where you grew up. I want to know about, you know, your last girlfriend, and uh, did she break your heart? Did you break her heart, right, type of thing? And I really want to get to know who you are, I want to know how your mind ticks, I want, I want to know how everything falls into place about you, I want to know if you have a relationship with Jesus, if there's even a proximity with you and Jesus, if, if, you, if you know who he is, if you, if you want to have that, if you need to have that. I want to know everything about you. And about 12 years ago, I realized something. This was about, uh, about my first or second year of ministry. I was working at this place that was hot, and it was muggy, and it was sinful. It was called Texas, all right? And listen, some of you all are going to figure out real shortly that OU is half Texas and half Tulsa, all right? Like, that's pretty much what OU is, um, but this is what I started noticing during my meetups. This was happening almost every single week, is almost everyone had the same testimony. It was, I grew up in church, I went to vacation Bible school, I did all of that, right? I, I might have did, did Awanas, a right? I, I had to learn my Bible verses and I got candy for it, right? That's manipulation. Maybe it worked, All right. I was a Bible drill like master. I had fingers of fire, like anybody who brags about Bible drill. Come on now, like I do. All right, I killed it. Right, I slayed it. Um, but then there was always this shift. It was either high school or college. Um, I actually kind of just quit going to church and I started doing whatever I wanted to do and. Um, you know, I just didn't really make that a priority in my life. And, you know, I got lost. I did this and I did this. And this is what they all said. But I didn't understand anything about Jesus until I learned about the gospel today. And it was crazy to me is that None of them understood exactly what the gospel meant. And I started seeing that they had this twisted and disconnect between what they thought the gospel meant and what the gospel really meant. And I'm not talking about a few individuals. I'm talking even still to this day. I meet up with someone at least once a week, maybe once every week, where it's still like, I never really understood the gospel until today. And this is the day that I really understood what Jesus meant in the gospel. And see, I started seeing this disconnect between what the gospel really meant and what they thought it meant. So in our series for this next couple weeks, we labeled it To Be Honest. And tonight, I thought it would be uh, very good for us to talk about let's be honest about the gospel. And because when you understand the gospel, you understand Jesus. And when you understand Jesus, you understand Yourself. Maybe some of us don't understand ourselves because we don't understand Jesus just yet. So if you would turn with your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I love to see those really holy people that brought their Bibles tonight. They're like tucking it in their shirts, right? Like they're running in. Um, I would love for y'all to bring your Bibles, bring some notes in it. Let's take some notes. Let's talk to people about what we learned at crossover and ultimately spread the word about Jesus. Amen. All right, I got four amens there. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor the men who practice homosexuality, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Hey, welcome to Crossover. We preach the truth. Amen? Come on now. Some of you are like, what in the world did I just get myself into? Hey, when I read a verse like this, I don't know how many of us don't kind of wake up a little bit. Some of you all are still like school, like fog right now, and then we just read this verse, like, oh, okay. We're talking the truth today, but some of us are like, well, where? like, how in the world does this make sense? How, and you know, it's like, where is this line between like sexually immoral? Is it, is it like porn or is it all the way being like sexually immoral? Like, what about, is this like drunkards can't make it into heaven? Is it like being like kind of buzz or is it being like blasted? Like, like, is there this line in between? Like, where is it? Like, how in the world is this even possible? Now, students And I know this is a heavy verse, but I need you to understand something, is that there's many misunderstandings about the gospel. There's many of them, but the one that I really want us to focus on tonight is a misunderstanding that I have seen thousands fall under, even myself had fallen under, is truly this one misunderstanding, is that we must be Good. I can't tell you how many times that I felt distant from Jesus because I was being bad. Anybody ever been bad? All right. Okay, most of y'all are lying. All right, awesome. I'm talking about bad in the sense of, What I did the night before and I wake up the next morning type of bad and where I feel like I can't even look at myself in the soul exposure when I'm brushing my teeth bad. And I don't want to look at myself in the soul exposure, right? The mirror, like you're brushing your teeth and you're looking over everything, reading your toothpaste ingredients because you know once you look at yourself, you're going to feel that shame. And I know some of y'all felt that way before. See, this was my fall off was in college because I just wasn't good. I kept on messing up and kept messing up. Never got that shift, you know, the shift from, oh, I once was bad and now I'm good. It was just like, well, I just continually was like, did bad things, little bad things, little things here. I never had that, I once was bad and now I'm good. I just didn't have that testimony. I just felt distant from God. See, I started to believe this lie, that I had to be good and I had to be correct and correct all my uh, faults to be right with God. See, here's the problem with that lie, is that the Bible goes to exhaustive lengths to discredit that idea. See, the Bible isn't full of good and godly people doing good and godly things. The Bible is actually full of bad, if not terrible people doing godly things. Pastor Matt Chandler says it this way. He says, the people that God used in the Bible were so bad that no person in their right mind would hire them in their church. I mean, students, let's just go through the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith is in Hebrews 11. It's, it highlights some of the biggest men of faith of God ever to be presented. And he just kind of highlights some of them. If we look at Abraham, all right? Abraham. Abraham had many sons, and many sons had father Abraham. I'm on them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Shake your booty, Right? Like, if you went to vacation Bible school, you understand that. Everybody else just thinks I'm an idiot, all right? But that's a cool song, all right? I'll, I'll die with that song. But this was a man of God. He heard the audible voice of God. He had a relationship with God. He had conversations with God. This was a man that God used in tremendous ways. But you know what this man did? His faith turned into fear twice. And in fear, he took his wife and he made her look like his sister. And in fear of his life, he offered his sister to his or his wife to the opponent so they wouldn't kill him. Now listen, if I ever offered my wife to go change a poopy diaper, like I get an earful. And if I offered my wife because I was afraid of my life to another man, I would never hear the end of it. Right? You remember that time you offered me to another man? Right? You wimp. Right? Like, this is not a good and faithful, strong, did everything right man. What if we look at Moses? He was the deliverer of God's people of 400 years of slavery. God opened the Red Sea to him. They walked through. God fed them, clothed them, and gave them water for 40 years in the desert. But guess what? Moses was a murderer. You know, Moses saw an Egyptian soldier picking on some of his people and he went and confronted him. He strangled him. He killed him and buried him in the, in the sand. Like, could you imagine him as a deacon? Like, someone comes and yells at the pastor and like, like Mo walks up, right? You talking about pastor? Like, strangles him and like throws him off to his eyes. Go get him, preach, right? Go, go up there and spread that gospel, right? Like, Moses just wasn't the greatest Man, what about David? Everybody knows about David killing Goliath, but David, when he became king, he saw a lady bathing and he lusted after her. And he sent a message to his commander saying, why don't you put her husband on the front line and I want you to keep him there until he dies. He murdered him. And then he went and stole her. Don't even get me started about his relationship with his daughter. If you want to have a good little study, go look at the relationship that he had with his daughter and what he allowed to happen to his daughter. And you're like, man, that's just not a good guy. And then we still see that God calls David a man after God's own heart. He was used, a bad man was used to be good and godly for him. What about Paul? Paul used to be called Saul of Tarsus. We, we consider Paul the chief of all Christians, but at once he held the cloaks for all the men that stoned Stephen, the first martyr of Jesus. And then when Paul got a little bit of power, you know what he did? He started dragging Christians out of their homes, and he would either mock them or he would kill them for ever presenting and proclaiming the name of Jesus. This was a bad, bad dude that eventually had an experience with Jesus that would propel Christianity to what we know it as today. See, these were not perfect people. But how do we understand this? If, if the Bible is not about these good people doing godly things, but God using bad people to do things for his glory, how do we handle this monster of a verse that we just went over? I think we should even go beyond this first. How do we handle what pastors say as the thou shouts and the thou shalt not? How do we handle, uh, if it's not about all of us being good, how do we handle even the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law? See, Dr. Tony Evans says, when you understand how the law functions for your life, the more you see how the Holy Spirit has entered a new law that allows you to function as a follower of Jesus. See, many of us had different emotions when I read that verse the first time. That people won't inherit the kingdom of God if you're this, if you're this, if you're a reviler. I don't even know what that means, right? But it sounds bad. Some of you thought, man, that's one judgmental dude preaching this tonight. Some of you felt shame because maybe you fall underneath that category. Maybe some of you were frightened because your eternity just flashed before your eyes, and maybe for the first time you're like, whoa, maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Right now, I want you to wipe every one of those thoughts away. Can we start with a slate clean right this second. Because I want us to understand something. We need to focus on, uh, on a couple things. And I think first and foremost, how do we handle the thou shouts and the thou shalt nots? How do we handle, well, if you're this, if you're this, if you're this. I want us to wipe it all away. And I want us to look that the law actually brings out two things for us Christians. First and foremost, when we look at something like this and we look at the law or we look at the commandments, it reveals how broken and sick we really are. One of my seminary professors uh, that I love, Dr. Cho, um, man, he said uh, uh, an illustration with this, and I've heard a couple pastors use it since then. uh, It just stuck in my brain. He said that the law of God is like an x-ray machine. It will reveal the broken arm, it will show the shattered knee, it might expose the cancer, it might even show you the tumor, but it does absolutely nothing to heal you. It shows you what is broken, but it does nothing to fix it. And see, that is like the law of God when we read something like this. It reveals what is broken, but it does absolutely nothing to heal it. Students. Listen, if you put all of your effort into the thou shalt and the thou shalt not, and you try to quit this and quit that and try to be perfect here and try to do, 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 I promise you, I promise you, I've been there about 30,000 times where I try to make myself as perfect as I possibly can. Listen, it will never save you, and you will always get worn out and whipped, and you will probably end up worse than where you started. Because the law was never meant to save you. It was meant to reveal to you your brokenness. See, Jesus wanted us to really make sure we knew how fallen we are in this world. He made no room for any mistakes. Even on the Sermon of the Mount... When Jesus was taking some of the Ten Commandments a little farther than a lot of people expected him to, when people were coming up to him like, well, I haven't committed this or I haven't murdered this person. I haven't done anything like that. And like they were pretty proud of themselves, right? And Jesus says, you know what? You say I've never murdered, but I say this, is that even if you hated someone in your heart, you were liable for judgment, Some of us in here, we hate people just because, right? Like, I hate that girl because she's just so pretty, right? Nobody says that about me, all right? But I hated this person just because of that. Now listen, two weeks ago, I had hate in my heart for something. You're gonna hear this a lot about me. Is I absolutely and I and I say this because I need to apologize before you, and now I'm gonna apologize before God, all right? Dear Jesus, forgive this. But I had hate in my heart two weeks ago when this dude was driving two miles an hour under the speed limit in the fast lane next to a semi. He was over there whistling Dixie while 35 of us are stacked up behind him, right? And I'm like, man, I gotta go home and watch my TV. And now uh, you need to get out of my way, right? And I'm getting, and I'm telling you, I, I mean, hate. Like, I feel the hate now. Like, I really, like, I really wanted to pull them out and throat punch them. All right? Like, I'm just I'm just being honest. Can we be honest? Anybody ever have road raids like that? Like, you want to throat punch somebody? All right? It's true. It's a real thing. M mm. mm. Lord, come on, Lord. <laughs> Honda Civic, oh, My truck could have just ran right over him, too. But if we're honest, a lot of us have hate in our heart. We do. Jesus said, you know, some of you say that you don't commit adultery, but Jesus says, even if you look at someone with a lustful intent, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Listen, a lot of us, if not all of us, I don't know how any college student doesn't fall under under this right here, because you have hormones and you have freedom, and that's a deadly mix, amen? Everybody wants somebody, all right? Let's be honest, all right. But Jesus was saying this, too, is even liable for judgment. He wants us to know this. He wants us to know that we will never meet the mark of what is good. Students, the list of things is not to heal you, but it's to reveal who you really are. We are a sinful and we are a broken people. It reveals our brokenness, but it also shows us that we could never be perfect enough not to sin. There is a list that we will never be able to fulfill. So the law, it shows us and it reveals something to us, but there's another reason why we have the law. It's also to give us joy. So many of us think, well, when we take all these things away, God is just trying to take something away from us. He's trying to take our joy. He's trying to take our fun. But he's really trying to give us something. I always tell students that if I could go back to college and, and knock Brent Russell in his nice haired head at 18 years old, right? I had my nice six-pack, all right? I would say, listen, brothers, two things I would tell you to do first and foremost, I would tell you to sleep right and eat right, okay? Like, I lived on quarter pounders, and I couldn't afford the drink, so I had to go to Walmart and get, a, like, a crate full of Dr. Thunder, all right? Because, now listen, there should have been something wrong if it cost you a dollar fifty for a 12-pack, all right? Like, no telling what types of toxins and sink cleaner they're pouring into that, but it's great, all right? It tastes fantastic. I just walked with a, a limp for a year, but I, just, I was surviving on like two to four hours of sleep a night. I wasn't sleeping right. I wasn't eating right. And here's the formula. If you eat like crap, you sleep like crap, you're going to feel like crap. And I felt like a zombie for the four years of college. I did not take care of myself. My body was starving for nutrients. But the second thing I would have told myself is not only give your body real substance and real rest, but you need to give your soul real substance and real rest. Much like your body, you are what you eat. Your soul is so much the same way. You are what you allow in your life. And I was doing things, saying things, thinking things, watching things that just were not nutrients for my soul. And my soul didn't spring out with joy. My soul didn't spring out with praise. I walked around college like a zombie because I didn't not only feed my body, but I also didn't feed my soul the nutrients that would have satisfied it. I fed my soul things that depleted it. Students, God doesn't try to take away your joy. He tries to give you real joy that is satisfying and nurturing to your soul. I mean, just for example, like when it comes to, to, let's just say sex. When it comes to sex, he doesn't say that it's a bad thing. He says it's a great thing when it's done the right way, when it's done in the confines of marriage, when it's done between a husband and a wife that, that loves each other and wants to glorify God in the relationship, and it brings praise to Jesus. He's not trying to take away the joy. He's trying to control the joy and give you true joy. So students, the law reveals, and the law gives you joy. So let's not misinterpret this passage of Scripture. He's trying to to reveal something and supply something. But don't let it fool you into believing this big lie that we have to be good enough. If you notice something here in verse 11, and he says, Hey, you know what? Here are all these things, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus. You were past tense. See, this would be a very good place for us to insert this lie. You were once this way, but now you are this way. You were once this way, but now you're this way. But if you notice, they're both past tense here. Let me tell you the dangers of us believing this big lie that we need to be good. First and foremost, you think that you can obtain, some of us in here, we think we can contain that measure of goodness. Many of you are overachievers, right? You're OU students, right? Straight A's, all of you, amen, right? Are we going to proclaim it that, that this year, right? Straight A's, right? Okay, no one, not one person. But a lot of us were achievers. You know, you want to get that grade, you're going to fight as hard as you can, and you're going to get that grade. You want to get that six-pack, you're going to work out as hard as you can, and you're going to get that six-pack. You want that girl, you're going to flirt as hard as you can, and you may or may not get that girl, amen? But we are an achiever generation. You get what you want, and you fight for it. You can contain it, right? But when it comes to your walk with Jesus and you go in with that same mindset, you know I want to achieve this level of goodness. I wanna be good and great and I wanna quit this and quit this and quit that and do this and do, 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 go, go, go. But what happens is we start doing and start quitting, we start doing all these things, but what happens so many times, and a lot of us older people can tell you this, is that you're still gonna be empty inside. Outside, you might be this super Christian, but the inside of you, you're just gonna be worn out. See, I think uh, when we try to be good enough and we try to be all this, I I kind of think of it like being a dog uh, in a dog race, right? They all chase this mechanical bunny around in like a circle, right? And they're running in circles and circles and they're going nowhere, chasing something that isn't even real only to end up worn out. And guess what? They never get the bunny. Students, if we try to obtain this level of good and we think about the, the, the thou shouts and the thou, thou shalt not, and we try to make ourselves as good as possible and try to make ourselves presentable to everybody, we will never get the good. We will never get the bunny. We will be going in circles, doing so much, going nowhere because we will never obtain the good level that we think that we need to hit. The second thing that will happen if you believe this lie is some of us know that we will never be able to obtain it, and we'll just give up. Some of us will quit pursuing this relationship with Jesus. We'll quit going to church. We'll quit everything, and we just will never try anymore because we know that we could never be able to obtain this, and we just rebuke Christianity, and we actually end up just hating it. We actually end up hating the church when just re- just going against everything that we could ever thought was considered good. But students, listen. There's a word in this text that is the biggest word in all of this scripture right here. It's this word, but. Now, I wanted to make a joke about big buts, but I just didn't know how I could fit it. Like, yeah, nah. No, I'm just going to leave that one there. But in verse 11, he says, when such were some of you, but... See, there was a shift here where Paul, he transitions to why they are different. He says you're different because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by Jesus and the Spirit of God. You know what he was saying here? Isaiah one eighteen says it this, this way. He says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Your sins are like scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, they shall become like wool. He didn't say that you need to become good enough in your sins to be forgiven. Not when you achieve this status in your sins or when you're forgiven. He doesn't set a prerequisite on what you have to do to obtain this status. He said, come and I will make you white as snow come and I will make you white as wool not you but me I know that you sin and I still died for your sins and I still want to wash you and make you clean students the only person in this room who thinks you need to be perfect is you We need to get over ourselves, we need to be real with ourselves and who we really are. We are sinners who will continually sin, and we need a savior who will continually save. See, he will wash our past, he will wash our current, he will watch our future sins, because this life is about him saving us, not us saving ourselves. See, when you really try to obtain this level of good, you will never be able to obtain it. Because, but what you can do is rest that Jesus has obtained the good for you. And he takes all of your bad and he makes you good. He makes you new. He washes you white as snow. It is all about Jesus. It is not about us. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but he then sanctifies us. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are sanctified with Christ. Our position has changed where God is now working in us to become more like him. You know why change happens with us when we start having Jesus in us and we don't have to uh, keep on trying to be good and be perfect? We change because we want to be more like Christ because we know what Christ gave us on the cross of Calvary. When you know how much you need him daily and what he gave for you, Your mind changes. You renew your mind daily, as it says. And you quit trying to please yourself and please others. And all your efforts go from trying to please everybody else to start praising Jesus because of what he did on the cross. Some of us need to know this, is that what Jesus did on the cross is greater than any sin that you've ever done. No sin can overpower the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to learn to work from the love of Jesus, not for the love of Jesus. And lastly, we are justified. Romans 5.1, it says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, before we have Jesus in our life, we are guilty and we are separated from God and we deserve punishment. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared innocent. There will be no punishment. Now, there might be some discipline because he's a good father. Amen. But we will have love, the love of God. We will have consistent peace with God. Nothing you can do right now can make God love you any more or make God love you any less. Because when God looks at you, you are justified. He doesn't see your sins, he sees his son who gave his life for you. And when we recognize what Jesus has done, we are fulfilled and we are freed and we are proud and we wanna change and we wanna become more like Jesus. So students, let's be honest tonight. The gospel is about the Savior that doesn't want you to work for your salvation. He wants to give it to you without anything from you. Jesus knows that we are a sinner and we will continue to sin, but he died for us on that cross for your salvation, your relationship with him, and an eternal destination with him in heaven. So listen to this one line. Let's quit trying to be good enough and start letting him be God enough in your life. Let's quit trying to be our own God because it's always going to be an evil God. We will never be a good enough God in order for us to be in a walking relationship with him. Let's rest in this. Let us know if we put our trust and our faith in him that he will have that relationship with us and he's going to take everything that is bad and he's going to make us good in the sight of God. And I beg for you, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, let's make that relationship happen tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you and we love you and we know that that you are the savior of the world who, who loves us and you gave your life for us. Some of us in this room right now, you know what? We we might not know, not know exactly everything about the Bible. We might not know everything about Jesus, but we do know this is that we're just lost right now. We're empty, we're broken, and we need a, a savior in our life tonight. And Lord, I ask for them to right now, just, just between you and them, I ask for them to say, Jesus, you know what, I'm a sinner. I wanna, I wanna ask for forgiveness right now. And I want you to be the savior of my world. And I want to I have that freedom and I want to have that peace. I don't want to have to think about, man, how I fail and I fail and I fail because I will always fail. But you know, Lord, I want you to come and take over those failures. And I want you to help me walk in likeness of you. I want you to sanctify me. I want to become more like you. I don't want to just run a race and try to be perfect in, in all of these areas. I want to be able to walk in likeness of you with your strength and with your passion. Lord, let them have the courage to do that. Lord, let's just finish these night with the last couple songs, and let's be able, if we have something that we need to pray for, come to our prayer team down front or in the back of the room. Let's just be able to lay some things off of our chest and give them to you. Let tonight let us not walk out of here not feeling your presence. Let us come, let us be real, let us know who we really are and let us know what you really came to do to do in our life. You came to save us and to love us. Lord, be with us, encourage us, strengthen us. For your name, amen. If you would stand up.